The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations Be present The Diane Ray Show Hello everybody and thanks for tuning in and joining me today for the show If you're not watching the Michael Cohen testimony, which hopefully you're not, and uh, you can join me for the show today, believe me, we'll have a much better conversation than what you could be hearing on that. So I'm glad you could tune in and join me. So if you got a chance to see my Facebook page or Instagram page, I took a picture of my office. <laughs> I laid it out there for everybody to see the the clutter in my office with complete with, you know, iron and all kinds of miscellaneous stuff, because I, I want you to see that, you know, I'm, I'm as messy as you are. And I have those same kind of problems and need some help. So that's why I'm so happy to welcome my guest today to help us make sense of of all the clutter, you know, literally and figuratively, figuratively in our lives and how we can straighten all that stuff out. So I'm really happy to welcome my guest today, Denise Lynn, who's also an old friend, you know, it's like an old friend getting together and we're just going to chat. So Denise Lynn, if you're not aware, she's been traveling the world speaking and teaching for the last three and a half decades. And she's an acclaimed expert in feng shui and space clearing. And Denise has been able to distill the information and wisdom in her teachings that she gained from indigenous cultures all around the world, the Aborigines of Australia, the Zulu in Africa, the Maori in New Zealand, where she was given the title of Tuhunga. I hope I said that right, Denise, as well as from her own Native American roots. And Denise has taught seminars in 25 countries. She's written 17 books. And she's also been a featured guest on Oprah, Lifetime, Discovery Channel, BBC, all over. And she's the founder of the Institute, International Institute of Soul Coaching. So I'm happy to welcome Denise today. Oh, and I want to remind you too, you can also catch her weekly radio show, Soul Coaching, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific on hayhouseradio.com and online at denise.lynn.com. So welcome, Denise. Hi. Oh my I, gave, I gave you the big rollout. <laughs> You sure did. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and if anybody, I should mention it's a Tohunga S rather than Tohunga. Tohunga is the male form. It's a, it's a subtle thing, but you know, sometimes it's Okay. Tohunga S. <laughs> that's awesome because I don't know anybody else that's ever been given that title. So you're the first. You're definitely the first. So I'm happy to have you here. I mean, we're going to talk about all kinds of things, but I wanted to start out with clutter clearing and the alchemy of clutter clearing. We're currently airing uh, one of your talks on Unity Online Radio right now as part of the Celebrate Your Life Hour. 
And Liz mm. Dawn there has been gracious enough to let me adapt some of these lectures and talks from year, years past. And one that we're featuring this month is this particular talk, The Alchemy of Clutter Clearing. And it's kind of a hot topic right now. You know, there's all kinds of shows about clutter clearing. There's this new one on Netflix everyone's been talking about, Marie Kondo. Uh, people are familiar with Hoarders, of course, that TV show on A&E. Um, where people are kind of buried alive with their stuff. And why do you think that now is kind of a opportune time to talk about this? Do you know, um, I've been teaching for this year, it'll be 50 years. And probably 25, 30 years ago, I started telling my students they should learn about clutter and they should think about um, working with people in, as a coach in terms of clutter because I said as time goes on it's going to be a bigger and bigger subject in our westernized world because the, the baby boomers which transformed every decade they hit they're now hitting that time where they're thinking of retirement but also going hand in hand with retirement is this idea of who am I what what has my life been about what what do I want my legacy to be it's where, where we take the time, we're not so um, busy just trying to get food on the table. <clears throat> we, the elder years are the years when you can really assess yourself. And part of what's happened is as in Western culture, as we have become um, such a culture of accumulation, it, it happens that all of a sudden you look and you see your garage is full, your house is full, your life is full, and most of it represents things that are not important to you anymore. Clutter also, I mean, it's, it's for anybody. You can be 12 years old and have to deal with clutter. I mean, it's, I call clutter clearing modern-day alchemy, and the reason why I'm so passionate about it um, is because of my own fascination, my own training in spiritual traditions. And you might think, well, clutter doesn't have anything to do with spirituality. And I would suggest, au contraire, that when you are able to begin to really look at the objects that you've surrounded yourself with, in no small way, it's like a ceremony or a ritual. And ceremonies and rituals have been around since the beginning of humankind for the simple reason they work. If you're having trouble with finances and you begin to clutter clear, old tax receipts, anything in your life that has to do with finances, abundance, almost always, it's, it's almost like a kind of a magic happens. Whatever you begin to clutter clear, it's like when you let go of the old, you are making room for new energy, new love, new relationships. You know, I've gone into women's homes, for example. Um, so many women who said, I want to be in a relationship. I'm not in a relationship. What can I do? I've gone into their homes and found, this is, it's the weirdest thing, but found um, pictures of single women, statues of single women filling their homes. And when you, the things that you have around you, they kind of, the energy of it kind of sinks into your subconscious. And so if you are surrounded with little statues and pictures of single women, that idea of I am a single woman begins to sink inside of you and that's what you project out into the world. It sounds crazy, like how could that possibly make a difference? But over and over again, in that case, with women looking for relationships, when they cleared out all of those symbolic manifestations, if you will, of single women and began to put things that represented couples into their lives, things changed in terms of their love life. And I still, even though I've been doing clutter clearing, teaching clutter clearing, 
for so many years, I'm still amazed. It's like, oh my gosh, this works. So I know I would get carried away, but I'm just passionate about it <laughs> because it can change your life. And because I talked about it being a spiritual path, when you clear out the things in your life that do not represent you, that do not support you, that do not propel you on your path, when you clear those things away, you are there's an opening for spirit to come into your life even more. So It's so interesting, especially about the, um, when you talk about the energy of the single pictures and, you know, if you want to bring a relationship in your life, that you're sending that unconscious message to the universe, really, and, and not even knowing it by having all yeah. this stuff. And one of the interesting things about the talk that that's airing now, and I hope people go and download it on the, the Unity site, the Alchemy of Clutter Clearing. So when you're talking to the group of people, you ask them, why do they hold on to these things? And some of the reasons that people were giving were so interesting. And I never really thought about that. Uh, some of the beliefs that they're holding on to by holding on to this stuff. And I was hoping you could share some of those reasons, if you remember, you know, when you're talking sure. to people and asking them so many different reasons why people hold on to stuff. Well, here, I'll, I'll give you some of these. I don't remember that talk, but, but I talk about it a lot. So these are some of the things yeah. that people say. <laughs> really often I hear, I might need it in the future. I don't need it now. I haven't needed it, but I might need it in the future. Now, this is very important belief to pay attention to because what it is, it's a negative affirmation for the future. What it's saying is my life is full right now. I have all that I need right now, but in the future, I might not have everything I need. In the future, I might not have enough money to get this. I might not have enough, um, I might not be enough to have this in my life. And because you, if you are holding on to something because you might need it in the future, and you haven't needed it for 20 years, but you might need it. This is an affirmation for a fearful future. You are affirming, in the future, I will not be enough. In the future, I will be needy. And you do not want to keep that object, if that's the reason you're keeping it, because you are affirming lack for the future. It's, it's a whole right. different energy than trusting. You know, I haven't needed this for 20 years. I trust that I will not need it in the future. I trust that my needs will be met. Now, here's, here's the kicker, is what happens. That fear is so deep and so insidious. Really often, people who are holding on to something, they haven't used it for 20 years, they get rid of it the very next day they need it. This is not uncommon. And, and people think, oh, I shouldn't have got rid of it. The reason being is that, that fear, it's almost like a subpersonality, and it will subconsciously create a situation, of course not consciously, where you would need it to justify its existence. The fear is justifying its existence. So if you know that that's going to happen, then you, you get less sidelined by it. Uh, or the fear of that. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, it's the fear. That you're well, I was going to say just kind of tagging onto, on, onto that reason or the fear that, um, oh, I might need it, I'll sell it. You know, I'll, it's worth something, I'll sell it later. So aren't you just perpetuating yeah. that feeling of lack, that feeling of poverty, that you're not going to have enough, that you're going to have yeah. to sell it? That's exactly the same. Yeah, it's going to go up in value. I mean, things, there are some things that go up in value, but most of the stuff, you know, um, I know someone that had, she had a whole room full of these dolls, particular kind of dolls, and she's had them for maybe 40 years. 
waiting for them to go up in value. She hasn't had use of that room. You know, people have wanted to come and stay, and they can't because that room is full. It's got all these dolls, and the dolls have to be in the perfect boxes, and they have to be totally pristine. And you know what? They haven't gone up in value. So she has, and she doesn't really like them, but they've been a burden to her. So she's been burdened for 20 years with these dolls, hoping they would go up in value. And so it would be so much freer to not have the dolls or to sell them up or get whatever you get and open up that space in your home, open up that space in your heart so you don't feel burdened by these objects. And again, it's fear. Fear that, you know, I might be able to get some money and I'm going to need that money in the future. Right. And some of the other reasons, too, I thought were interesting when I was listening to you talk about this, that, you know, they for sentimental reasons that they hold on to things. I mean, it's OK to have I mean, I have things for sentimental reasons, too. But yeah. then, you know, can't can it get out of hand? Like, do you really need every single drawing that that your kid did or, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing? It adds up, well, it, right? Yeah, it, it's totally fine to hold on to things for sentimental reasons. But what happens is when it begins to clog someone's life, when their home is so full of these sentimental objects that they don't really have the time or energy to look at them, to enjoy them, because they can't even breathe. So here's what I suggest for those people. I suggest that they go through those myriads of sentimental objects, and often they're things they don't even like. But Aunt Mabel gave it to me before she died, and I don't like it, but, you know, she she gave them to me. Take pictures. Take beautiful photographs of all that stuff. Get a beautiful album. Make an album of all the things that have sentimental associations with it. Write up a little story about each of the objects. So you don't have to keep the objects. Keep the memories. Keep the the feelings, but get rid of the objects. And it's a really great way to do it. Here's here's some another reason why people keep clutter. It's what I call evidence clutter. Evidence clutter is like the blue ribbons you got in school um, that you know that showed how smart you were, the love letters that you got from others to show that you were loved, the recommendations from teachers that, that proved that you'd achieved something. And some people have a lot of evidence junk. And it's it's to prove that they were something. And again, it comes out of fear. Fear that I'm not enough now, but in the past I was smart, I was strong, I was loved, I was worthy, I was fast. And if that's why you're keeping it, it's worthwhile to say, hey, do I really need this evidence that I was someone in the past? Is not it true that who I am right now is enough? Those are good questions to ask. You know, that's interesting. I never thought of it like that. But that's true. If you're holding on to those things, couldn't that even really be preventing you from moving forward to what could be new opportunities or something that could be really great because you're so stuck into what you were back then? Yeah, absolutely. You know, by holding on to it. And and you're so attached to who you were that you aren't creating the space to be who you are now, to find what is glorious about who you are now. So good reason to take a look at that. Here's another reason. It'll hurt their feelings if I give it away. Now, this is a big one. You know, my sister gave it to me. It'll hurt her feelings if I give it away. Or my friend gave this to me for my wedding. I don't like it. I kind of hate it. But it'll hurt her feelings. So here's what I would say. If someone, if I give something to someone who is my friend, who I love, I gave it to them because I cared for them, and they didn't I would not want them to keep it, even though they didn't like it, to not hurt my feelings. 
that would hurt my feelings. Does that make sense? It's oh, absolutely. And it's so funny you said that because I have a friend visiting um, one of my oldest friends that I grew up with, and, and she gave me this really weird thing, you know, over the holidays. And I've been wanting to get rid of it, but I, I have been saving it for just in, in case she happens to see it. Isn't that funny? Because I, I'm sure if I showed her and said, look, this is really, you know, this is funny, like, let's laugh about it. And she wouldn't want me to keep it. If I didn't no, like it, no, but I am, but I am keeping it until she leaves. <laughs> then I'll get yeah, rid of it. I mean, she, she wants you. And if someone loves you, if they care for you, they only want you to have things around yourself that you love. And if they, if they don't, well, maybe that's someone you want to consider if that's someone you want to have as your friend or not. So, I mean, and some people say, well, you know, it's a family member and I have to do it. Well, you know, it's a, it, it is a conversation with yourself. There's no rules. And sometimes there are, you know, sometimes there are things. That's funny. When um, it popped into my head, uh, um, Diane and I used, uh, I, I'm a Hay House author. Hay House is a publishing house, and, and Diane used to have be in charge of all of our radio shows there. She was great. And whenever I would show up at the Hay House offices, they would take out all these pictures of me and books, and they would put them on display as if they were always there. And the first time I went there, I thought, oh, my God, that's so great. Look, they put my picture, they put my books up. Oh, my gosh, I'm so honored. And then I, I found out later, as soon as I left, and they took them all down. So it's <laughs> That's know? so funny. Yeah, they would roll out the red carpet and, and put out all of the product, you know. Look at all this yeah, great stuff. Like, like yes, Isn't that funny? Like this, Denise. We always have your picture on the wall. We're like, yeah, for the hour I'm there. But anyway, it's kind of like that. So, you know, some people might feel really good. But you have to see, is what is it worth the feeling, the good feeling that that person will get when they see their painting on your wall? Is that is that energy more than the energy that you would get by not having it? Because every right. object that you own, there's a strand, an energy strand between you and that object. And either it takes your energy up, it takes it down, or it's neutral. So you just have to have to look at it. And I would say when someone, when I give someone a gift, it is theirs. And if I get my feelings hurt because they gave it away, that's nothing to do with them. Because I think when you give something, you should give it fully, completely, and absolutely. And there's some people who give with strings attached. So that's something to look at, too. <laughs> Do I want to keep that object with all those strings attached? That's true. Now, you mentioned something interesting. I want to I want to bring that or circle back to that about the energy of things. And, you know, I'm someone that likes to go to thrift stores and mm. garage sales and, mm. you know, Am I cheap? Oh, I maybe, but I <laughs> but I love I love digging around in that kind of stuff. So should I be careful of things that I bring into my home from from those little excursions? Because even though it seems not possible, but there there can be energy attached, or there is energy there, attached, right? There is absolutely energy attached, really often to things that are used. And I'm like you. I love secondhand stores. I love the Goodwill. I love garage sales. But I'm also very conscientious of energy. I'll tell you just a, a quick, it was just in my head yesterday, a quick story about energy is we uh, many years ago had a little cabin up in the Cascade Woods up in Washington State. And my husband was up with our dog, and the dog had had an epileptic seizure and died. And my husband was really, he was up there for the week, and he was just really, really sad. Um, 
and as we all were about our dog died. Um, not long after that, a friend was passing through. I think she lived in Hong Kong, and she was passing through and wanted to know if she could stay at our cabin. And we said, sure. No, we didn't tell her about the dog. We didn't tell her anything. It was, you know, wasn't appropriate to the, her. And we said, sure, told her where the keys were. And, and she called and she goes, I don't understand, Denise, but I laid down on the bed. Now, this is the bed that David was sleeping in at night being really sad. She goes, I don't understand it. I laid down in bed and I feel so sad. I just can't get over how sad I'm feeling. I don't understand it. Well, what she, my husband had been in that bed, had been really sad, and that energy, it it actually gets absorbed. It, it is not just a, you know, it's just not a mindset. It's actually true. And so she was feeling that energy. And objects hold energy. They hold emotions. They hold feelings. And so, you know, I said, okay, there's another bed. Go sleep in another bed. And then I told her about the dog dying and, you know, him being sad. So if you get something, say you find a beautiful shirt at a secondhand store, especially if it's clothing, especially especially jewelry, that anything that's been worn close to someone's body, you need to cleanse it. Now I get I get used clothes on eBay because you know you can get pennies on the dollar. Why not? But I yeah. take that. I you know it's also kind of like recycling too. You know because we're such a disposable society. As much as possible, I like to recycle whenever I can. I take whatever it is, I wash it, I clean it, and then I put it outside in the wind or this, you know, sometimes things can't be out in the sun, but I put it outside and I let I let the nature and the wind and the sun and if it's raining, the rain to cleanse that object. In every case except for one, I was able to cleanse out the energy. And there was this one blouse, I really liked it, but the energy in it was so strong. And I just, you know, I just recycled it out of my life because that, but for the most part, you usually can. Now, if it's wooden, like a wooden antique, if it's possible to get a tuning fork, tuning forks are the, anything that's wood are the best way to to reset, to cleanse old energy. And you take that tuning fork, if you can get an F sharp, that's even better, but any tuning fork, you hit it and you take the, the, the metal end and you touch it to the wood and that vibration will go along the wood. And you do that a few times. And you can tell it will feel different. <clears throat> I remember I was um, went in to do a space clearing at a, in a home and I walked by this wooden antique. And as soon as I walked up to it, I felt this desperate feeling of, of you know, wanting to be dead. And I'm like, what is this about? And I stepped back. I was great. Stepped towards it. And I just felt like just this wanting to be dead. And I asked the homeowner, I said, oh, this is kind of crazy. And he said his mother had committed suicide and she had died on that piece of furniture. I probably wouldn't have kept that piece of furniture, but that her feeling of wanting to be dead um, had absorbed into the wood on that piece of furniture. And, And it was in a place in their home where they sat a lot and his wife was having a lot of emotional problems. As soon as we cleared it, his wife started to feel better. That's how strong. I had no idea his mother had died on that piece of furniture. So if it's wood, you want to clear it with sound. Um, and, and also if it's metal, for example, metal jewelry, there's a, in space clearing, there's kind of like similars, you know, so you, bells, gongs, chimes are all really good using metal to cleanse or clear metal. People like to smudge, and I think smudging with smoke is excellent but for jewelry, using a bell or gong is better. For wooden, anything wood, actually touching the sound so that it could travel on the, the grain is better. 
I'm sorry, I keep talking. I just get so passionate. That's so interesting because I was thinking of, I mean, I've heard of smudging and actually, and I've done that in different places that I've moved. Like when I moved into this place that I'm in now, we've been here maybe three or four years. One of the first things I did was I went through and I smudged it and I had the intention of, you know, only, only good energy entering here. Um, yeah. you know, and, and I, I felt, I felt more at home after I did that. And I did it in my other place too. And I've given smudge sticks to people, uh, for that very purpose, but I've never heard of using sound. And I know you use different, um, techniques like that because I've seen you do a space clearing in a place of business. You came and you did it at Hay House and you used the drum. Right, right. So it's interesting to hear, um, the tuning fork and how sound can clear the energy out of wood and things like that, and also how you can clear your jewelry. So that's really interesting stuff. Those are great tips well, here, to share with people. Here's, a, here's something interesting in terms of space clearing. The largest realtor in New York City um, is the Corcoran Group, run by Barbara Corcoran. She's on the television show called The Shark. Oh, yeah. And so she had some very high-end buildings in Manhattan that were not selling. A friend said, why don't you get a space clearer and, you know, to do some smudging? And, and she's like, well, I think that's kind of weird. But she said they weren't selling. So she thought, well, I think it's weird. I don't, I don't think there's anything to it, but I, what's it going to hurt to try? So she got a space clearer in to clear these buildings. And they just started selling like hotcakes. And she, was, she says, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me, but it works. And this was written up in the New York Times in a good-sized article. So it gives credence to this idea that even people that don't believe in it, it works anyway. Someone can walk into a building that they're potentially going to buy, and if it doesn't feel good, they are not going to buy it. If it feels good, they might be more likely to buy it. So the idea of That's so true. is that it's to make it feel good. And when you combine clutter clearing and space clearing, then that's when the true magic can start to happen. So there, I mean, there were two totally different techniques. I mean, I guess clutter clearing is the actual physical act of getting rid of the stuff. And then space clearing is a different um, technique or a ritual that you do. Okay. There's actually four. If you want to just skyrocket your life, there's four things to take into consideration. Well, five really. So one is physical cleaning. Just physically clean your space. And we are impacted by our space in dramatic ways that we aren't even necessarily consciously aware of. So cleaning the windows with intent that more light comes into my life, clearing the floors, my foundations are strong. Physically clearing and cleansing your space, number one. Number two, clutter clearing. If you do not use it or love it, get rid of it, or at least store it. Some people say, well, I can't get rid of it. Well, put it in a box. Say you haven't used it for 12 years. Put it in a box, tape it up, label it, put it in the attic, and write on that the date. And if you have not needed that in one year or two years, you can decide how, how long. Take that box. Do not open it because research has been done. I think in Pittsburgh, but research was done. Oh, wait, hold was... hold that thought, Denise. I want to come back and, oh, and finish perfect. those uh, points, but we're Sorry. just going to take a short break. So we're gonna... <laughs> I have to jump in. So we'll come back. We're just going to take a three-minute little break here talking with Denise Lynn. Stay close. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. 
As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach around the world, we depend on the generosity of listeners like you. If you enjoy the programming, please make your donation today by going to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate. Thank you for your support. Here's a Unity Teachable Moment with Rev. Wendy Craig Purcell, taken from a talk called The Plan Unfolds. One of the other aspects of helping to really identify a true new beginning is being willing to sit in deep questions and pay attention to your answers to those deep questions. Deep questions like, what does my soul really long to do and be? If I didn't have to worry about paying bills, what would I really want to do? I'm not suggesting that you drop the the real responsibilities of adulthood, but you can drop that from your process of questioning. What does my heart and soul long for? And what do I need to do to begin to build my life, more of my life, to look like that? To find a Unity Church near you, visit unity.org. If you're looking to deepen your spiritual journey, Unity Magazine is your go-to source for information and inspiration. It's been beautifully redesigned and packed with interesting articles and compelling interviews from today's spiritual thought leaders. You'll find science, spirituality, and healing with a look at Eastern philosophies, meditation, as well as completely new ways to interpret the Bible. Plus, reviews on the latest spiritual books and music. Get a free trial issue at unitymagazine.org. Every summer, Unity hosts an international convention, and you're invited. It's not just for ministers or members of Unity churches, but for anyone who could use a week of inspiration and connecting with others interested in spirituality. The Unity People's Convention will be in the Kansas City area the week of June 17th. Register online at unityworldwideministries.org slash registration. Sign up today and take advantage of the early bird discount through February. Discover what your dreams are trying to tell you. Join dream expert, best-selling author, and hypnotherapist Kelly Sullivan Walden for Ask Dr. Dream every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Central. Kelly will awaken you to the wisdom of your dreaming mind with expert interpretation as well as introduce you to fascinating guests. Each week you'll get information you can use to help make decisions and gain greater self-awareness. Join the show live or listen later on demand here on unityonlineradio.org. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Be Present, The Diane Ray Show. Thanks for joining me after the break. I'm Diane Ray. Welcome back. We're having a great conversation here with Denise Lynn. Oh, and I have to mention the cover model on the current issue of Unity Magazine. (laughs) So you have to check this out. Denise is on the cover 
And she does a, a great interview in here with Katie, who's the editor of Unity Magazine. So get your subscription. Have to throw that in uh, with Denise on this <laughs> month's cover. So <laughs> we've been talking about the alchemy of clutter clearing and just how powerful it is to move the energy around, create sacred space in your home. And I wanted to go to a caller. We've got someone joining us here that has a question for Denise. So let me grab her. And you on there? I don't see you in the screen calls. Hello. Oh, hi, Zara. Hi. Is that right? Yes, You're on the air. Hi, Thanks Diane. for joining us today. Thank you for, have, for, for allowing me. Hi, Denise. Uh, I've, I've been enjoying the um, I've been enjoying the conversation, and I am a smudger. I the uh -huh. the inner I I totally believe in in clearing spaces, and it makes all the difference for me. I am one who uh, who, who cannot go into uh, secondhand stores and back there because it, uh, something about the conflict in there <laughs> does something mm. to me. Um, and I and there is a difference in when my space is completely clear and when it's not. Here's my question. My husband is the is the one who keeps clutter. My yeah. husband is the pack rat. My husband doesn't like to throw anything away. My husband <laughs> keeps things stacked. So when yeah. in my space, how do I handle the clutter that is not mine but is in my oh. house? Oh, honey, my heart goes out to you. And this is not <laughs> uncommon. It's really, really hard. And this is, it's the two things I would say. One, it is the fine art of negotiation, the fine art of diplomacy, <laughs> because it's a home for two people. And one, and it's, it's true, not everybody sees the, the environment the same way. And there actually, there actually is a difference between men and women. Research has shown that men, and it goes back to caveman and cavewoman times. Cavewoman, caveman, yeah. Um, because a man, in those ancient times, the caveman, he had to have one focus. He had to have a focus on, I've got to, I've got to kill the saber-toothed tiger to bring home the food for the family. So he had to be very, very focused. He could not be dissuaded by anything else but his one pinpoint focus. Where the women in those ancient times, they were the, they were the gatherers. The men were the hunters, the women were the gatherers. They needed to have a panoramic awareness. And what they found in research is this, this ancient way of being where the women actually will see as a rule, and this is some research, I'm not just how sexist, but this is actually from research, they they will see the clutter more where a man usually won't see it as much because he's just he's focused on one thing. You know, he gets in, maybe maybe one he wants to watch the game. He's focused on getting in, sitting down and watching the game. Where the woman will just see clutter and it bothers her more. I did an experiment with my husband actually a couple of weeks ago. I left something on the floor. It was just some, a piece of paper with some things written. And I wanted to see how long it would stay there before I picked it up because he had to walk over it, walk over it. A week went by. He didn't. And then I asked him, I said, it was curious to me that, you know, you were walking by. And he goes, what are you talking about? I said, right on the floor that you had to walk over all the time. I had a piece of paper. And he goes, I didn't see it. And so it, it, it's helpful to understand that it's it, the way that we see clutter as, as universally or generally, this isn't true for all women and it's not true for all men, but generally we don't see clutter in the same way. Now, secondly, it is important for you to have some place in your home that is your sanctuary, some place that is not cluttered at all. 
And if you don't, you you can potentially feel smothered. You know, someone who doesn't, who, uh, and clutter isn't the same for everybody. I've gone into some homes and people will say, oh, I'm so sorry for all the clutter. And I'm like, this is like a Zen Buddhist monastery. And other places <laughs> where, where people are saying, I, I cleared it before you got here. And I'm thinking, I can't breathe. There's so much stuff. So it is very unique. But you need some place in your home that is clutter-free. It can be even a closet. You put a little light, make a little altar shelf, and someplace where you... I negotiated that years ago. So I do have I do have my own space, <laughs> uh, and, and and it was and I had to do that because I'm I'm looking around and and it's a, it's a house that he had before we married, so I moved into the uh, house. so it's all oh. his his stuff, and, yeah. and so you, you, we we have negotiated some things, but uh, there are some things that because I know who he is. There's some things that that I I'm, I just have to live with, but we have determined places that uh that that it can be and that it can't be <laughs> but, yeah, well, but i just i was just hope i was hoping i could get more of it out <laughs> well again it's a fine art of negotiation maybe there's some things you know this wouldn't be you guys but maybe he's been wanting to go on a vacation and you haven't and so you said okay honey i will go on that vacation if we can clear this out i mean just Sometimes it's finding ways to negotiate because he, for his comfort level, he needs the stuff. For your comfort level, you don't. And especially if you moved into his stuff, so it's not going to feel as much your home with all of that stuff there. So it sounds like you're doing a really good job of figuring it out. And I wish I wish I had a magic wand and I could make him happy, completely clutter-free. <laughs> but I don't. So so I guess it's like I have I there's rooms in my home that my husband has he has an art studio at our home. It's big and it's it's so dusty, it's so dirty, it's so messy. <laughs> I think I've cleaned it once and I I'm still hearing about it. Like oh really? Yeah, there's one I won't go into. It's just his. Yeah. I'm not going in there. It's, okay. Yeah, it's his little okay. it's not big, it's big. It's this big man cave place. I don't leave it alone to me. So like I I like my dust. I'm like, honey, it's really deep dust. I like it. Okay. <laughs> so it's, yeah, um, and I just let it go. Okay. Well, thank so you so would much. So would you say just the, so just the art of negotiation, right, Denise? Yep, the art of negotiation. <laughs> well, I'm pretty good at it. We're both pretty good at it. I'll keep doing what I'm doing. I'll, it, yeah. It'll clear out somehow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you, well. Diane. Good to talk with you. You too. And thanks for sharing your story and joining us. I appreciate it. That's so, that's You're so welcome. funny, Denise, that it's, you know, the um, men and women, you know, which ones are, are like, I remember growing up, my father was more of the clutterer, just like in, in Zara's case where her husband is, and he held yeah. on to stuff, you know, and I think that's where I get it. I, I wonder, do you think it's hereditary in some way a little bit or just maybe learned behavior? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we see it. One of the reasons why people have clutter is it's it's a family mindset. If you were raised with a lot of clutter, I I am not clutter-free. I walk through a room. My husband laughs. He goes, honey, a room can be pristine, and you walk through it, and it looks like a whirlwind hit it. I don't know. I just have a way of making clutter. But I, I think it's why you teach what you need to learn. It's why I teach about it. But I grew up in a really, really cluttered environment. And it's not so much an excuse, but it's an understanding of some of the forces at play. 
And um, I feel so good when I clear the clutter. I feel amazing, but I still continue to make it. So you just have to, I have to kind of love myself and okay, I I create clutter <laughs> wherever I go. But um, right, but and just be it. aware. So yeah, do you, is aware. it kind of like you know that cartoon character from Peanuts that was Pigpen, and he always kind of had a little cloud around him, you know? Like I, I imagine these little like clouds of stuff, you know, following you. But you know what'll cure you of that as well that I've found over the years if you move, like one year or it was over a two-year period, and in radio, working in this industry, you move around a lot. And I think I had three moves in two years, and you learn to get rid of stuff. And that that kind of was a lesson to learn to let go just because you had to. I mean, I wasn't going to cart all of this stuff around from place to place to place. And then recently, or a few years back, I had been in a place maybe seven years, and so I accumulated a lot of, of junk to get rid of. I cleaned out so much stuff and felt so good. I was just on a high from getting rid of all of that. It was great. You would, but it, it you was would like painful too. Moving, yeah, you would think that moving would do it for people, but what most people do is they put stuff in storage. And one in eleven people, one in eleven people in the United States has stuff in the storage unit. One in eleven. It's a billion. That's unbelievable. Industry. What an industry. You know, they're making all this money. And speaking of that, my one of my good girlfriends, her father recently passed away and he was a incredible, I'll say hoarder. I mean, he had a whole warehouse full of stuff. And really think about it, are you gonna leave that for people to go through? It's it took her a year to really get through all of the stuff that he had. You don't want to do that to your family to leave them with all that digging through all that stuff. I mean, it was it was a job. I mean, she was finding you know old receipts and credit cards from the 1970s. Like, why do you keep all that? Why would you need it? But he felt a need to keep it and to pay to store it. It's crazy. Well, there, is, there is actually a psychological condition that is hoarding that is it's completely different than normal clutter clearing. It is actually yes, that's true. The, the brain is different. It's wired differently, but. Um, but for most people, it's just they can't be bothered. But I've known so many people who were just barely making ends meet and yet had a storage unit. And I worked out for one guy. I mean, he he didn't even have a home. He was homeless, but he had a storage unit. And I worked out for him how much he was paying, you know, every you know every year and how much he could have put in to buy in a place for himself even. And he was like, oh, my gosh, you're right. I met a woman once. Again, she had barely had any money. And she had six storage units. Like how? And she wow. was, I forgot how many thousand dollars a month it was costing her for her storage units. So it's 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 a endemic problem in our culture, but it's worthwhile. It's worthwhile looking at because it can, literally it is modern day alchemy. If you shift your stuff, you will shift your life. Right. We should make T-shirts that say that, you know, shift your stuff, <laughs> shift your life, you know. Now, I wanted to make the differentiation, too, because you teach a course called Elemental Space Clearing, but you're also an expert in feng shui. And there is a, a big difference. I mean, feng shui is a very exact, um, you know, you know tradition and, and science that you learn, right? Well, before the break, I was talking about the five things. And so I'm going to go back yes. to that because that includes feng shui. So. So the first thing is cleaning, and I talked about that, just the power of, and everyone knows how much better you feel once you clean the space, you feel better. 
And then number two was the clutter clearing, and I was suggesting to, you know, those things you haven't used, you can't let go of, to um, put them in a box, tape it up, put the date on it, and then never open it up. If you haven't used it or needed it, just take it straight to the goodwill. And the reason being that once they've done research, I was just about to talk about that, that if you touch your stuff, you actually get attached to it. They did research where they had students, and they'd have a coffee cup, and they'd have some um, students where they would just see the coffee cup and some were holding the coffee cup. And they found that the people, the ones, and then they would do an auction you know, on the coffee cup. People who had actually touched the coffee cup would, would auction a lot higher for it because they had an attachment to it because they touched it. There's a lot of research that shows when you touch, actually physically touch something, you get attached to it. So clutter clearing and being like a ninja. If, if you do not love it or use it, get rid of it. So cleaning, clutter clearing, and then organizing. And now the last, um, the last day, I have a whole lot of CDs, and I love my CDs. And the last day, I've been going through and, not, and looking at every single one. Do I love this? Do I use this? And then putting it in some kind of order, because they were all kind of, after we moved, I never put them back in order. And it feels so good. I have all the classical together, the mind body, you know, the new age together, the jazz together. So organizing your stuff and, and simply doing that will, will free up so much time. You're not looking for things. That's why I started doing it with the CDs. I go looking for a CD and I couldn't find it. So cleaning, clutter clearing, organizing, space clearing. <clears throat> and space clearing is where I talked about you could do it with a drum. At every native and ancient culture, space clearing was used to clear out old energy to call in do. Every single person, if they trace their ancestry back, they will find that their ancestors did space clearing because it worked. And you can, if you don't have even any tools, you can simply stand at the entrance of a room, take a breath, open, open and invite spirit in, and then walk that room in, a, in the northern hemisphere in a clockwise manner, clapping as you go, clapping with the intent that that sound will fill that room with beneficial energy. Again, you might think it seems weird, like Barbara Corcoran thought it was weird, but her building sold. Then the fourth thing is... That's four or five. But anyway, the next thing is feng shui. <laughs> I think that's yeah, four. Feng, yeah, feng shui, which um, I wrote the, the second book in English on feng shui and, and um, have written a number over the years. I've been the keynote speaker at feng shui conferences around the world. And the interesting thing about feng shui is there are different systems, there, and each of the systems are very specific, and they don't agree with each other. And I actually find that liberating, because if they all agreed, it would mean that there was one right way. And it gets really, really confusing when you look at all these different systems. You have Vasta in India, you have um, Form School, Compass School in China. You have various different systems. But if you remember two things, you will get it right. In feng shui, if it feels good, it is good feng shui. If it feels bad, it's bad feng shui. For example, it feels kind of bad. If you're in a restaurant and you have a choice between having your back against the wall and being able to see the entrance, or you have your back facing the entrance, you can't actually see the entrance and you're facing the wall, which seat would be the primary seat? It would be the seat with your back against the wall. That's good feng shui. It's called having the mountain at the back. 
and it feels better. So then you so go into a room. How do you how do you find out? Does it feel good? Close your eyes. Walk around. Does this feel good? No, it doesn't. Okay. Visualize, imagine, shifting things around. How does it feel now? If you use your feelings, you can create good feng shui very easily. And then the last thing is blessing. Just you've you've cleansed, you've cleared, you've cluttered, you've organized, cluttered, cleared, you've organized, you have good feng shui. And now you just do bless your home, bless the space. Traditionally, again, very traditional. Create an altar. It doesn't have to be religious. And just sit at the altar and say, I invite love into this space. I invite beauty into this space. And if you do those five steps, you will have sacred space. Oh, I love that. And I like where you're saying have that intention. Like when I was walking around with the, with the smudge stick, and I really tried to put myself in that place where my intention was only, you know, good things coming into this space, you know, inviting my my ancestors, you know, should they want to come in and visit, that would be great, you know. And so these wow. were this is what I was thinking when I was when I was smudging it. So I I think that's great when you're saying have that, you know, have that feeling and that intention. Because that, that would make a difference, wouldn't it? It makes if a machine were to go and take a, a drum, for example, and kind of do a little robot machine and drum in a room, it would make a marginal difference. But if someone, a person goes in with their heart open, with the intent of calling love into that space, drumming the exact same drum as the robot was drumming, that space feels different. It is your intent, your prayer, your dedication, your love combined with the tool it is never a tool that clears the space it is the tool only magnifies your intention so that's exactly what it sounds like you were doing yes the the tool magnifies the intention i like yeah. that well if you if you get a chance you'll have to look at, at the picture i posted i tagged you on it of my messy office with all my weird things in it <laughs> and you know pictures and little doodads and stuff like that and somehow I think what what gets what gets me is mail you know for some reason I, I get all all these people that want me to send them money you know different charitable organizations and it's like you send money to one person they all find you right and then you yeah. get all these letters and and you have the intention that you want to help them. And so I hold on to it and it stacks and stacks and stacks. And then mm -hmm. after a while, I'll go through it and then I'll throw it away. And then I go through the process all over again because I keep getting mail. So that's one, you know, one thing I have to try to get a hold of is paper and mail. And like, why do I feel I need this receipt? I'm not going to need it, you know. So you'll laugh uh, when you see it. But um, so I mean, I'm sure everyone's people are going, oh, my God, I'm in the same place. I'm just laughing because it sounds like me. Uh, here's, here's what I've done. I, I have three charities that I give to. And I don't, I, I do, you know, often I'll give anonymously because then they get your information and they start sending all that mail. And um, somehow over the last few years, I don't get any mail. I don't get anyone writing to me for money anymore. It's like, I think they know that. Wow, no, how did you do that? <laughs> I just decided to give to those charities, but I also give anonymously. I don't give it so that they have my information and they can sell my information. But That's I, smart. I can't, I can't even remember the last time I got any. Now, now that I've said it, people say, oh. <laughs> but yeah, because I don't donate. They'll track way, you so down. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and then they get me I, with the animal ones, you know, they'll show the sad animals and the horses and all. It's just, it kills me. So yeah, I've got to, I've got to find a way my, to manage that. One of my is animals, but don't, I, again, I never, I never let them get my information. It, just because it's, it's a waste of paper. I mean, I like recycling. I don't like using more, I mean, it's, it's paper resources, it's trees that would probably be happier living in the forest. So anyway. That's true. It's a huge, wa- it's a huge waste of paper, but that's a good idea. I think I'm, I'm going to do that. Just kind of give anonymously, but yeah, paper is, is a big one for me, but these are all such great tips that you've been able to share with us today. And we have a few minutes, but I did want to, I'm going to shift gears just a little bit. Cause I just want to talk about the international women's summit in Phoenix that's next week, uh, March 7th, 8th, and 9th, and you'll be appearing there. And your workshop is going to be Secrets and Mysteries, Awakening the Goddess Within. And I'm so excited wow. to be able to connect with you there. So I'll be there to <laughs> see everybody and we can catch up. But um, if anybody's going, like, could you give us a little sneak peek of, of what you'll be talking about at that event? Well, I have been, um, this year, I would have been teaching for 50 years. And during those 50 years, I have taught at a lot of conferences. I mean, a lot of conferences. And out of every single conference that I've participated in around the world, this is the absolute best. I have never been as inspired. I've never have been as motivated as I am at the International Women's Conference. It is remarkable. The women you meet, the people you meet, the connections you make, the the wisdom that's shared, the joy that's shared, it, it just, I, I cannot say enough about it. I am so excited. I would go as a participant, even if I wasn't presenting, just because it's, it's inspiring. And they have some great speakers. I love Elizabeth Gilbert, for example. Elizabeth Gilbert, oh, yeah. she's the person who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, and so, so many others. And they, you know, was it Julia Roberts who portrayed her in the movie. I mean, she's just, she's so authentic and so warm and so gracious. And every single person that is there, every single woman who's there is just, she she brings her heart and I find my heart opens. Um, I'm excited to be talking about goddess, you know, and kind of tapping into that goddess place and, and our culture, it's become so yang, so masculine, so you know, I talk about the difference between the focused awareness and the panoramic awareness, the the kind of the very male way of competition and getting ahead and the female way of cooperation and and finding that, that soft place, the, the male energy being more, you know, kind of getting the job done and the female energy, and this is like yin or yang, it's probably better to say yin or yang rather male and female, and the yin energy being the receptive force, being open for miracles to just to, to fall into your lap rather than having to, to work for them so hard. So so I'm excited to be able to share about some, some methodology. That's so interesting. And that's something you can really bring into all aspects of your life, you know, including the workplace. And, and I know just, you know, trying to, you know, make it in the world, you know, the Mary Tyler Moore moment, throw my hat up in the up in the sky there. But, you know, like we do tend to as women, we tend to try to do things as men, you know, in, yeah. in you know, participating in, in that world and in, in the work world. And it, I don't think it, it's not always as effective. And then a lot of times where we're perceived as being weak, if you're being soft, and that's not really yeah. the case, right? I mean, it doesn't yeah. mean that you're weak if you're going about something in a, 
you know, quote, softer way. So that's going to be so interesting. You can actually create more results in life as a woman by being receptive. And and also it damages our bodies. For I used to have a, a, a healing practice on Union Street in San Francisco. I was a Shiatsu practitioner. And most of my clients were women, and most of them were in corporate America. And over and over again, uterus problems, breast problems, they were exhausted. And I could see it was because they were literally, and, and in those days you had to kind of be a man to make it in, in corporate America. I mean, luckily things are starting to change. But to find that place to honor the, the cycles of being a woman. I mean, we, we women were cyclic, but in the workplace, you can't be cyclic. You have to just, get the, you, know, you can't honor those cycles of life. So trying to, there's a way, though. There's a way that you can gain what you want in life. You can have your dreams come true, and yet you can be embracing the feminine spirit of of just being receptive and just allowing it to come to you. And it can come to you. You do not need to suffer to grow. You do not need to effort and work hard in order to have miracles abound in your life. No, I agree. And that's such a great way to to wrap up <laughs> as we're wrapping up the show. It's been so fun to talk to you and catch up with you. And I'll, I'll see you at the event. If you're interested in the event, just go to celebrateyourlife.com. And check that out. It's the International Women's Summit. I'm sure you could still get some tickets. Check out Denise at denise.lynn.com and listen to her show too on Hay House Radio if you would like. And Denise, I'm so happy you could join us here on unityonlineradio.org. Thank you so much. And thank you so much. I completely loved it. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.